you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL podcast is gonna keep on loving you. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by New Era. My name is Dan Hansis and I am joined by a room filled with some heroes, Greg Rosenthal and Chris Wessling. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. How are you? Is that REO Speedwagon? That was. Matt Money Smith, the voice of the Los Angeles Chargers showing his range once again. I mean, he's really kind of slumming it when he's a big t- he's on TV, he's the biggest radio host in the city, he's the Chargers, and yet he's just kind of our intro guy. He's our hype man. I don't know about that though, slumming it because I don't know if you noticed we now have a large photo hanging outside the commissary Ooh. of the Around the NFL podcast heroes in, in what appears to be spirited conversation. <laughs> I feel like Wes that is a step in the right direction within the walls of this uh, complex. You feel like that's respect? I feel like it's a step. You know, <laughs> and may- maybe we can get a shot of that um, uh, when uh, you guys watch this very show. Uh, it is our Tuesday video show, of course, and uh, every Tuesday, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 Pacific on NFL.com slash ATN video. You could watch this show. Um, make sure you, you you check it out. I mean, maybe respect is problematic, though. Dan, you're a man who doesn't take slights easily. Nope. You think you're driven by them. Right. I mean, now if the network starts to treat us right. uh, well, they're putting up you know pictures. We've got a video show now. Maybe the fire isn't in the belly quite as much. How about this? Hashtag gradual decline. <laughs> this one I'll be right about. <laughs> What do you have to rage against anyone? <laughs> exactly. You need something to fight against. Um, I think you'll be just as wrong as this, uh, as you were on Tom Brady. <laughs> um, I hope so in this case. I hope so I'm wrong about uh, gradual decline. By the way, we have more hats. If you're watching the video show, we're not going to do this, the whole audio show, and people listening, well, this show was supposed to be an audio show. But there are hats on the table, new era hats in front of us. A note came down. More hats. More. They need more hats than we had last Tuesday. Get him more. So, Sully, what are we up to now? We're up from what four to six here? Seven. Around there. We are a wash in hats. Let's keep it. Let's keep it going. I got to ramp it up. Here's my whole thing. I think the most important thing in the world is uh, pleasing the corporate overlords. Oh yeah. Every week we should have more hats on this desk. That's what's. How could they not be pleased about that? We'll have hats everywhere. Hats coming out of our ears. It's kind of, it should be like a little girl's bedroom with stuffed animals. It's kind of like razors. It's like, you know, forget four blades. Let's go five oh, yeah. blades. Seven. Let's keep, let's keep ramping it up. Uh, today's show, good show. And we're going to get into a lot of stuff, including some news that really went uh, uh, big yesterday on Monday. Kirk Cousins uh, did not get a deal done with the Redskins. The Redskins were not happy about it. Uh, also, the... Uh, San Diego, Char- excuse me, the Los Angeles um, Chargers are um, the subject of our training camp spotlight this week where we'll focus on wide receivers uh, for the Chargers. And uh, finally, we will revisit 
the old Zeusers pain rankings uh, breaking down the eight most pained teams and fan bases in the NFL. Put a lot of work into that one last night, fellas, uh, up past midnight. The old man was typing past midnight, trying to get it out there to the people, and we're going to talk about it today. I like that, you know. You've moved into this cushy end around gig. I like that you're still pulling all nighters every <laughs> once in a while. Hey, you gotta you gotta just test yourself some sometimes. And that's what we did today. But before we do any of that, I want to uh, check behind the glass formally with Sean Sullivan, fellas. How you doing, buddy? Doing well. Ready for uh, our second video show? It's yeah, be a good one. You f- you look confident. You have the look of a confident man. Yeah, I'm ready to rock. All we're right, gonna man. we're gonna have a good one today. Well, one thing about Sully, he always it looks and acts confident. Sometimes you could say maybe it's unearned, but it's, good to say. it's a good thing. It'll get you through life. Right. That, that's true. He carries himself yeah. as a man that believes. Thanks, guys. In himself, and I can respect that. Let's do some news. We need to talk about your flair. Yes, flair, hats. We, we had a talking to, and we responded, more hats, more hats, more hats, more flair. Start with Kirk Cousins. Uh, the NFL's deadline for franchise tag players to ink a long-term deal came and went on Monday. Uh, and when that 4 p.m. Eastern deadline hit, uh, Kirk Cousins and the Redskins were not able to get a deal done. And what did this mean? This means Kirk Cousins for the second consecutive year will play under the franchise tag. Uh, what is the salary? I believe over $23 million in that range? Yeah, 23.9. Uh, a year after he made $20 million, so good, good scratch. But also we're starting to learn that's kind of in the market or even a little bit lower when these quarterbacks now start to get paid. Anyway, the Redskins thought they were going to get a deal done, Wes, and uh, they were not uh, very happy about uh, not being able to get a deal done. And you know how we know, Wes? Oh, I know. Uh, for for whatever reason, Bruce Bruce Allen, the team's general manager, made the decision uh, to uh, put out a video issuing a public statement on the matter. Let's hear what Bruce had to say. On May second, right after the draft. Actually, Sully, can we can we, we cut this? Kurt. I feel like, yep. If ever there was a time for our missive music, it's for oh, yeah. a team's general manager uh, deciding to. Um, uh, give a public statement into a giant microphone about uh, when he's about to trash his quarterback. So let's, uh, let's, let's start this one over with the missive music. I like that. On May 2nd, <laughs> right after the draft. <laughs> See, it's better. We made, Kurt, an offer that included the highest fully guaranteed amount upon signing for a quarterback in NFL history, $53 million. It also included a guarantee for injury of $72 million. The deal would have made him at least the second highest paid player by average per year in NFL history. But despite our repeated attempts, we have not received any offer from Kurt's agent this year. Kurt has made it clear to me that he prefers to play on a year-to-year basis. First of all, he said, I did a couple things that I'll throw to you. A lot. he says Kurt, yeah, K-U-R-T, six times during this two-minute missive. Uh, we only caught a portion of that, and you heard it several times. I mean, right there, there's, there's something about that to me that, that shows the disconnect in a weird way uh, between player and management here. But also, Wes, there are things that Bruce Allen says that makes it sound like it was a very competitive offer, but then when you drill down a little bit, this wasn't really a very attractive situation for Kirk Cousins. I think you should cut Bryce Allen some slack. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think it's disrespectful not to know his first name. Come on. And, and 
Kirk Cousins came out and said that didn't bother him, but I think Kirk Cousins is just trying to be put on put the best spin on it, put the best face on it. When you do drill down into it, what's the incentive for Cousins to sign this contract? He's already getting twenty three point nine million this year. If they transition tag him next year, it's over twenty eight million. If they franchise tag him next year, it's over thirty four million. You have to give him at least that much money to incentivize him to sign in a place that just fired its general manager. And who knows how long the coach whose offense he's thrived in will stick around. That is not a stable organization. Right. It's an organization that does things like hold a press conference slamming the quarterback, essentially, that's going to try to start for them and make the playoffs. That was an insane press conference to me. It was like he was the president speaking from the Oval Office. You know what I mean? Like like a a movie, like a B movie. Right, a prepared statement, but then he didn't take any questions. And the whole purpose of it, to me, was to put blame, I mean, it was pretty clear, on Kirk Cousins for not really wanting to be with the team and for them to try to win some sort of PR battle against their own quarterback. And let's hear, Kirk Cousins was then, you know, reached for comment on this. He did his... uh, regular radio spot in D.C., and here's what Cousins had to say about uh, what the Redskins had to say. I need a little more time. Um, You know, I I felt like uh, I want to allow the next six months to give me more information about our organization so that I can make a more informed decision. There have been a lot of changes in our organization since the end of last season, Um, and so I want to allow time to, uh, to help make this decision. And I understand where he and the organization are coming from. I think... In his position, you have to do that. You have to be clear with where the offer was and the fact that they did their part. And um, it was a great starting point. It was a great offer to get the ball rolling and to get the conversation going. And um, I think it was a fair offer. So I I respect and appreciate Bruce's approach. He communicated with me that they were going to need to, um, you know, let the story be known as to to where they were coming from. And I said, "I, I totally understand that. So that's where I say when the communication was positive and we're all on the same page, that, um, uh, whatever you want to call it, release or that statement was no surprise to me. I knew it was something like that was going to be coming out, and I understand where he's coming from. So uh, it doesn't offend me. It doesn't bother me. I can see myself in his shoes, uh, you know, wanting to, to get the message out. So um, totally understand that and, and uh, doesn't rub me the wrong way at all. Okay. Let you want me to translate that for yes, you a little please. bit? Translation. I am going to get paid next year. I don't care about what he says. It doesn't matter if it's the Redskins paying me or some other team. I'm probably going to be the highest paid player in the NFL a year from now. He has two head coaches in the NFL who love and adore him and support him. One is in San Francisco with a six-year contract, and he was his first most vocal and most persistent supporter in the NFL. The other is in an organization, the Redskins, where – who knows if Jay Gruden will be around next year? If they go 7-9 and nine again, Gruden could be gone. Why would you want to commit to that? If I'm Kirk Cousins, this is exactly what I would do. It's giving me a little bit of flashbacks. Bruce Allen and a Gruden head coach speaking publicly about their quarterbacks and not really telling the truth because that is what – John Gruden and Bruce Allen did for about five straight years in Tampa Bay. They would build up these quarterbacks and they'd cut them, you know, the next day. They never had a situation quite like Kirk Cousins, but it was never a team that you could ever trust what they say publicly. And that that's kind of where I'm at with Bruce Allen. The guaranteed, I read this on a Deadspin this morning, Barry Pachetsky, uh, that and Wes, you hit on it. The money that he would make this year, which they included in the guaranteed money and the transition tag money next year, uh, he would only be getting three hundred thousand dollars more 
uh, if he would have signed that contract in guaranteed money. So obviously he's not going to take the the deal. It was it was borderline insulting that they they made such a big deal. Borderline, it was insulting. They played that poorly, and it could cost them a very good quarterback. I keep making the same point that franchise quarterbacks are underpaid. And it's it seems really strange to me. I think that Kirk Cousins, through all of these events, is going to be the man to maybe change that. Of all people, Kirk Cousins. Mm. But I'm not sure it's quite worth it. Here's what bothers me about this PR campaign that Bruce Allen started yesterday. We are smart enough, writers, analysts, are smart enough to cut through all the financial uh, rigmarole that, that they're throwing out there, the subterfuge that they're throwing out there. It's the adults, dullards, and simpletons that are going to be on Kirk Cousins' Instagram, Twitter timeline, opine, calling him rotten names because they're not smart enough to figure out what that contract actually is. You bringing back rotten? Yes. Bring it back. Respect it. How about You're simpletons? Uh, dullards? dullards? What was right before that? I mean, he's got, the, <laughs> he's got the vocab words out today. I love Get bozos it. in there? I mean, they're part of we're, it. It's all encompassing. Subterfuge? Um <laughs> Listen, Wes is here, and he's on top of his game. He's a well-read man. You, know, you can't <laughs> hold Wes down. He's a warrior. Uh, in other news uh, regarding the uh, deadline for getting a long-term deal done, Le'Veon Bell and the Steelers could not get it done. Um, Bell uh, did not sign a deal, so he will play under the $12.1 million franchise tag. Uh, he will be a free agent in 2018 unless the Steelers again <clears throat> wield that franchise tag. Uh, here is uh, what... Le'Veon Bell, well, he tweeted first, I guess I just got to get better, which obviously it's hard to get much better than what Le'Veon Bell is when he's been on the field in his career so far. But he also uh, posted uh, a, a video on his Insta- Instagram account on Monday. Here it is. It's a long day. Me and Jalen, we back at it. I don't know. I got to get better, apparently. Whatever. I mean, Le'Veon Bell uh, still, still, Greg, making a lot of money, though, compared to the other running backs in his market. Maybe we, we don't want to throw a pity party for the man. No, I think this makes sense because he's making 50% more than any other running back in the league this Oof. year. The next closest is LaShawn McCoy at $8 million. So it was always a tricky contract to get done because he's either suspended or injured almost every year. So year to year kind of makes sense, at least for one more season. I think if he has a great year this year, he's going to get paid. And he's out there saying, I want to reset the market and get running backs paid what they deserve. Well, if anybody should be resetting the market for a position, it's Le'Veon Bell. They have one of the greatest quarterbacks of his generation. And during their winning streak and into the playoffs last year, they ran their offense through their running back. Mm. That speaks volumes about Le'Veon Bell's value. And I don't blame him for betting on himself, but it's a risk. Tom Pelissero re- recorded they offered $12 million annually with $30 million in the first two years mm. with the caveat that the Steelers are one franchise that do not offer guaranteed money beyond year one. That, so they, they, unlike the Redskins, made a legit offer. And unlike the Redskins and Kirk Cousins, I'd be surprised if Le'Veon Bell's, you know, barring any serious injury or anything like that. I'd be shocked if Le'Veon Bell's playing for any other team in the next two, three years. Do you think the Steelers will franchise tag him again? I think they'll get a contract done. Because they already showed they're willing to pay him a, a lot of money. That's a great offer, $30 million guaranteed in the first two years for running back. So I think if he does his thing, they'll, they'll, give, they'll pay him and make it right. 
in general manager news, we got another GM firing. What's going on here? This time, it's one of our favorites. Uh, Dave Gettleman uh, was dismissed uh, by the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Jerry Richardson announced it, uh, and it hit the whole NFL, uh, you know, shock to the whole NFL. Uh, Richardson explained in a statement that uh, it came after much thought and lo- a long evaluation of our football operations. Uh, he thanked Gettleman. Gettleman did very well in his time with the Panthers, including uh, just two seasons ago uh, when they went, what, 17-1 and one before losing in the Super Bowl. Uh, Wes, I know you're a big Gettleman fan. Read between the tea leaves. What happened here? Well, Gettleman not only built that team, he had to overcome the previous regime, Marty Herney's contracts, to do it. He had his hands tied the first couple of years and still did that. Reading between the lines, Jerry Richardson is the owner. He can run the team however he wants. And it appears to me that one of his core tenants is taking care of his homegrown veteran players who have become big in the community and that the community identifies with. And Dave Gettleman, apparently, reading between the lines, was hesitant to pay Thomas Davis and Greg Olson in new contract extensions. And that must have been part of what led to this dismissal. And we love Hog Molly talk, and we think that he's – done a great job and they were a team of ATL for the reason but I found it interesting how many notable veterans came out and took shots at Gettleman minutes after the news came down Josh Norman with a subtweet Steve Smith saying it's okay Dave I know how you feel D'Angelo Williams uh, said I want to publicly say Panthers is off my list of teams I won't play for due to the firing of that snake Dave Gettleman Mike Tolbert also uh, took a shot what do all those players have in common Wrong side of 30. They got fired. Marty Herney paid them, and Dave Gettleman wouldn't. Right. And and Jerry Richardson is a former player. He's the only former player that's an owner, and so maybe he approaches it in less of a cutthroat way, and maybe that should be applauded uh, uh, in some way. But I think he Gettleman got painted as the bad guy because he came in and he got rid of, he got rid of the people that were overpaid. I he mean, came John, in and did his job. Right. John Beeson essentially had to be released. Steve Smith is one you could argue about. Absolutely. And you can understand the rest of them. It may, they had to get rid of D'Angelo Williams. They were paying Williams and Jonathan Stewart more money than any running back group in the league. And they weren't very good as a running, well, a running team. I think some of the issues and, and Williams had alluded to it was how it was handled. And maybe right. it wasn't, he wasn't treated like a nine year veteran with the team should have been treated when they made the decision to move on without him. But I think, you know, Get, he's an interesting guy. And by the way, I would have no problem if the Jets hired him to some type of nebulous management role that they then could pivot into a GM role when the when the Jets firebomb with McCagnan this <laughs> or, season. Wait, you're giving up on old uh, Mikey Mack? All the bets are off oh, uh, with Gang Green. But uh, I think Gettleman, he's a Boston guy. Uh, he's gruff, and, he, and he's not afraid to take chances, and you make enemies along the way, and that's what we're seeing here. But who's the most successful coach slash executive of this era? Bill Belichick. He makes tough decisions. He he's cold hearted. He goes by <laughs> finances. And he could have he must have been way more unpopular when he cut lawyer Malloy right before the season yep. than Dave Gettleman is now. I don't think Jerry Richardson would have the stomach to, to sit through Bill Belichick cutting his stars every year. It's worth noting that Michael Orr, uh, who has been suffering with concussion issues, wrote an impassioned uh defense of Gettleman on Instagram saying he's one of the only people besides Ron Rivera uh, that have checked in on his well-being throughout the process and has has been uh, really kind to him. So that that's worth noting. 
And it's also worth noting there were reports. I went back to look at the 2012 article of when Marty Herney was released. And at that point, Marty Herney was a bit of a punching bag for the Jake DeLome contract. I mean, he made a lot of crazy deals in Carolina. And one of the parts of my article is how him and Ron Rivera had a contentious relationship. And so Mm. the report is now that they're going to be bringing back Marty Herney on an interim basis. That's wild. And that seems ins- it seems it seems insane to me. It seems well, absolutely insane. They never won they haven't had back-to-back winning seasons by the way since it since Marty Herney got hired in this entire run. I'm sure Thomas Davis and Greg Olson and Starlu Tulele and anyone else who's due for a contract extension loves having Marty Herney back in the sure. building cuz they're <laughs> going to get paid. Uh let's move on now and talk about uh, Ezekiel Elliott and the Dallas Cowboys. A report came out um, a few days back from Adam Schefter that there was a, quote, growing sense that Zeke Elliott was facing a, uh, quote, short suspension for his involvement in a 2016 de- domestic violence incident. Uh, that's something that, Greg, I know you had talked about on the show a, a month or so ago, that it just seemed like something potentially was hanging around with that, and we, we might see it. Uh, then there was a an incident at a bar. He was not uh, named in the initial police report, but there was witnesses that alleged that he was involved in a fight, knocking a guy to the ground and injuring him. Uh, this comes, of course, there was the 100-mile-per-hour uh, traffic citation with Zeke Elliott uh, that came to light. There was the St. Patrick's Day uh, parade incident with the woman and exposing her breasts. There's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, with Zeke Elliott at one point, Wes, do the Cowboys really st- start to get nervous about what's going on with this guy? Well, I think the last couple of incidents, you, you take them case by case and they're not terrible, but it's a case of a young guy who doesn't realize he's a professional athlete and in the spotlight and probably shouldn't be doing these things. But we all make mistakes when we're that age. I, it does seem like there are start, starting to be some red flags popping up. The Cowboys are a team that kind of let, you know, Jerry Jones famously kind of lets his guys – guys especially if they're stars but it's it's blown my mind a little bit how just three years removed is it three years from Ray Rice and Greg Hardy when domestic violence is just it was a huge part of our lives on this podcast and covering the NFL that with this potential suspension looming I know these cases are very different but this a domestic violence suspension looming for Ezekiel he's kind of been a face of the league type of guy. He was literally on the cover of ESPN, the magazine just two weeks ago. And it, and it's, it's a weird, I don't know, disconnect for me, for him. Yeah. I think we don't know the details. That's the hard part to weigh in. Right. I mean, and we're not saying guilty, not guilty, anything like that, but it, it just feels like it's a time where it's like, okay, maybe, maybe you don't put him on the magazine covers right about now. Uh, Wes had multiple, parade float issues throughout <laughs> his 20s and 30s. Yes or no? I have never been in a, on a parade float or in a parade. I'll, let me just say, um, not to make light of any of the Zeke Elliott incidences, but parades, by and large, very overrated. Enterprise. Oh, I couldn't disagree mm. more. Really? You're in on parades? Well, I mean, this, this is part of my... I can't believe this. It's part of my Tybee Island experience. When okay. you're in a small town, yeah. parades are wonderful. It's, yeah. it's a day to get wild and zany for no reason and just to have fun all Okay. Now, where I come from, the coal town, a heavy Irish population, had one of the biggest St. Patrick's Day parades in the state. Right, well, probably one of the reasons why it was named, uh, like, U.S. News as 101 best places to live. Yeah, well, we're the town, cold, of friendly, town. town of friendly people. Not affluent, <laughs> not like Martha's Vineyard, but listen, we all got together for the big parade. Yeah. And we all, you know, we left the factory hats at home that day, and, and the, 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 the little Tweety Bird... 
He stayed in his cage. No one was shoveling coal. That no. The canary? And we all canary, thank you. <laughs> the canary <laughs> in the coal mine? The stayed home? That's how we knew that we were alive at the end of the day, Greg. <laughs> anyway, we all would go to the parade, and maybe there would be some spirits ingested, and family would get together, and friends, and you'd see people that you know marching the parade, war veterans, uh, high school marching bands, you name it. Uh, but the parade itself, I'm saying, mm. not the most fun thing to watch. It's for kids. It's more about like the experience of being together with people in the town. My kids love the 4th of July parade, so that's kind of re- reopened my eyes to parades. But then I also think back to my college days and a little Mardi Gras parade. Okay. I mean, what's better than a little Mardi Gras parade? Well, that's a little different, isn't it, though? It's a little different. Yeah. Well, you also hate clowns, and I kind of like them. That's a generational disconnect. I find clowns to be funny, and like they're just out to get laughs out of people. That's, no, that's harmless. They're out to murder people. I Agreed. Mean, if you watch bad movies, that's the that's the kind of thing that you'll <laughs> be led to believe. But they're really just out there to get a laugh out of you. You did grow up on uh, the um, black and white Bozo the Clown uh, episodes. I know that. <laughs> Was that an actual that's show? That's a generational <laughs> thing. The five years difference. I, when I grew up, I don't remember a Bozo the Clown show. Um, Bozo the Clown. That was a show? I don't think it was ever a show. He was just like a famous clown. It's turning into a Seinfeld episode, by the way. (laughs) George Costanza got into a fight with the clown about this. Um, All right, finally in the news, Tom Brady. uh, He's the quarterback for the Patriots. But recently, his high school, he attended a high school uh, in San Mateo, California, I believe. Is that correct? Does that sound right, everybody? That sounds right. Absolutely. Um, Famous. Yeah, near San Francisco. And they unearthed uh, what they believe to be, or, um, yeah, they believe to be his first ever interview. And uh, he was asked, for some reason, Dan Fouts uh, was, was interviewing him. Dan couldn't get a better job in 94 than doing local TV up there. I don't know. No, he seems to be doing okay. But Dan asked Tom Brady, I believe he's about 15, 16 years old, uh, what his strengths were as a player. At this point, Brady was, you know, one of the top high school quarterbacks in his region, here's what Tom had to say. Okay, I'm a college coach. I haven't seen any tape of you. I don't know anything about you. Tell me about Tom Brady, the quarterback. What are your strengths? My strengths? So well, everybody tells me I have a pretty strong arm, which is which is good. I'm pretty accurate with it. And uh, I think I need to work on my speed a little bit, but hopefully that will come in time. Pretty good work ethic, so so I think I get the job done. First of all, I'd love him to know that he'll never be fast. No matter how much you train, you little brat. You'll never run like a horse. I mean, I'd also like him to know that he's going to pick up a first down on third and 11 in the fourth quarter of the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Fast <laughs> enough for that. Wow. I blocked that out. I don't remember what play you're referring to. Um, third and uh, eight, I believe. By the way, if, if Sessler was here, I would have loved – that would have been a perfect exa- uh, time to talk about how Mark and I long have a, uh, a very controversial uh, stance, a conspiracy theory that – Tom Brady had a complete reconstruction of his face at some point, Mo- most likely funded by the Illuminati, um, <laughs> in which his his cheekbones and his chin and his eyes and his entire face was it was basically a face off situation, uh, engineered for maximum efficiency. I want you to watch that video again and again. If you're watching this, um, rewind it back right now. Let me know if that's the same person who's now the quarterback oh, of the Patriots. You don't think it's natural evolution from going from 16 years old to 39 years yeah, old? Here's what happens. You're, if you're a little pudgy, not as muscular when you're younger, some of that fat you know, goes away, and yeah, those cheekbones come out. Yeah, well, am I surprised that you are the mouthpiece? You're like when Joe Theismann on Twitter tweeted out, 
I guess I was wrong about Kirk. You know, you're, you're the mouthpiece. I get it. I mean, I'm generally anti-conspiracy theory, but definitely one if it's about Tom Brady. Uh, that's what's happening in the news. All right, it's time to move on and talk about the training camp spotlight presented by New Era. Oh, my goodness. Uh, this week we're going to talk about the Chargers wide receivers. And, uh, Wes, a little peek behind the curtain. You came in a little earlier today. Uh, we originally were going to talk about the, the Broncos quarterbacks. And then Greg starts just pounding the table like a madman, saying he wants to talk about the L.A. Chargers wideouts. And I said, hey, you want it? Go get it. Dog wants a bone. I feel like we've talked about Wolf the Wolf. Broncos. I don't know what left to say about Paxton Lynch and Trevor Simeon. I, I like on. Greg's take on this one. In fact, I did a lot of research and film watching of the Chargers. Oh, oh. let's, hear what, you, the let's hear what you found. This is wonderful. We'll start with you, Wes. Well, Tyrell Williams might be the most underrated, underappreciated, uh, unknown wide down, receiver Greg. in the NFL. As Greg tweeted, in, big, in terms of big plays, there weren't many people better than him last year. He's great on post routes. He's great on slant routes. And then you have Keenan Allen come back, and then Mike Williams drafted. Travis Benjamin can go back to returning punts and being a third-slash-fourth wide receiver. This is one of the most most deep wide receiver corners. Tyrell Williams is – are we talking – not to head over to the Mark Sessler fantasy corner, but are we talking about a fantasy sleeper type producer uh, for L.A. this season? I'm not talking fantasy sleeper. I'm just saying as far as NFL players – he was a 1,000-yard guy, a big play machine. He's big and he's fast. Yeah, the list of players who had more than you know more plays over 20 yards was basically the best receivers in the league, Odell, T.Y. Hilton, Julio Jones, Antonio Brown. No one had more 40-plus plays, and he might be their third or fourth receiver. So I'm not loving him for fantasy, but that's why I kind of want to watch camp and see how this unfolds because Mike Williams was a little banged up in the offseason. Keenan Allen's coming off an injury, and so I think that's one reason why they drafted Mike Williams. Travis Benjamin's better as kind of a third, fourth deep threat. I mean, you have a guy on their team, Dontrell Inman, who had 800 yards last year, and I figure he is eighth in line for targets. He had 800 yards, eighth. and he's eighth because he's fifth at wide receiver behind the four guys we talked about. And then you have Hunter Henry and Antonio Gates. It really sounds like Hunter Henry is going to be the starter. That's why I want to watch in training camp to make sure that happens. And Antonio Gates is going to come off the bench behind him. And then you got Melvin Gordon out of the backfield catching a lot. Isn't of it time? Too. Isn't it time with Antonio yeah. Gates? And he's been uh, he's been a great guy. He's going to the Hall of Fame. But he he looked slower than ever last year. And this guy, they have a, a young kid in Henry who made some plays last year, averaged over 13 yards of reception, eight touchdowns. It's time to pass the torch at tight end, right? Didn't Gates come one TD short of? breaking the record for tight ends, so that's why he's coming back. But I think the passing of the torch is happening this year. Yeah, and it, and he was solid. He's a good role player right now. I think he's willing to embrace that. I was shocked. Hunter Henry led the league in touchdowns of tight ends. No one scored more than eight, which is surprising in mm. itself. And Antonio Gates was second. And so you have the best one-two combo, I would say, at tight end, or certainly one of them. I guess Gronk and Dwayne Allen would be up there, along with this wide receiver group. I just kind of want to see how it shakes out if everyone stays healthy. If you're a Chargers supporter, which I'm growing to be, you're always kind of worried, you know, it's not going to look as good once they actually get on the field because they get hurt. Well, it's fair to worry about the offensive line, too, as being perhaps the bugaboo in that system. It's been an issue for them for a few years. And it's important that, let's face it, with the Chargers the last few years, it's important that they have a lot of depth because every year. Yeah. So and who, know, I, who knows if Keenan Allen's ever going to be able to guy that can stay on the field. But these guys you're talking about, oh, he's not this. He's the 14th target. He'll probably be their number one receiver by November. Let's be honest. <laughs> That's just the way it goes with this team for whatever reason. Uh, and that was the training camp spotlight. 
presented by New Era. All right, Sully, need a hat. We, we need, need more, more hats. hats. I mean, New Era people, they're they are coming after us. They say, more hats. Peak what behind. do we got? Whoa. All Whoa. right, the G-Men. The G-Men. That's good. New York Giants. Wes, I know you're not a big fan of the organization, but. Oh, that's right. overblown. We had a Redskins hat out here before, and we thought just the way that they've yeah. disrespected Kirk Cousins, the way they're handling their business, not classy, so we brought out a little 49ers. Wow. Okay, so that we're up to eight hats, and I'm feeling good. You placed them with a classy organization like the 49ers. Way to go. <laughs> the feedback will be good. And spent, uh, speaking of New Era, New Era's NFL training collection has a great combination of innovative performance and style with features like UV protection, moisture wicking, and cooling technology. There's no reason you shouldn't make the new era NFL training collection a part of your daily attire. Literally, it's suggesting wearing this every day. Uh, available at retailers like LidsNFLShop.com and Dick's Sporting Goods in your favorite team. Dick's, the great white whale, Wes. We never got him. The great white whale. All right. Now. Oh, before we get to uh, the pain rankings, I want to touch on one thing. We got we got sparrows in the building. Streets are talking. Streets talk. Sparrows chirp. Tweety birds chirp. <laughs> Canaries. Canaries. Canaries go to work <laughs> in a vocal way. Um, and we did hear through the grapevine. Uh, you know how Damashek, he always uh, you know he has like a um, uh, a collection of things that he'll go back to. One of them is this idea of having some type of Battle of the Network Stars type of um, competition between all the, I guess, talent at NFL Media. The podcast, I believe. Oh, is it the yeah, podcast? The podcast the stars. Apparently, first of all, a couple of things. Apparently, there's a podcast with Daniel Jeremia. Jer- Jer- I'm not going to be ignored, Dan. And, um, and Buck Brooks uh, called Moving the Sticks. <laughs> or is it Moving the Sticks? Where do you hit? Is it Moving the Sticks? Moving the Sticks. <laughs> And th- this topic came up on this program, which apparently is a part of our podcast network. Let's just listen in on what was said. You know, DJ, I, I don't want to go out on a limb, but I feel real good about if if oh, we had the Vegas odds, I would think Move the Sticks would be prohibitive favorites. We would be the heavy favorites. favorites. I think we'd be we're, the we're favorites on that. Yeah, I think, I think we yeah, certainly I like that. would be. I, I, I mean, we, I've seen them do the little canoe thing. I like our chances in that. They shoot hoops. I, I feel great about Great about chances. that one. <laughs> Uh, although I think I know Claybon can play a little bit, and I know he's—I don't know—Sheck Sheck can pull all these different guys. He tr- he'll try and get like uh, Ike and claim all these guys as his <laughs> as his guys. So I'm we got, sure he would we got three. We got a heavy three though. We're good. I'm on this yeah, team. We'll, I'm, I produce that that show sometimes, but oh you, you know, no, wow. wow, wow, wow! Shots about a La Raville Magnifico. <laughs> I'm doing it to myself. I mean, what is it? What is it like to watch yourself stab uh, people in the back? Hey, we uh, stab people in the back. I'm Dan Campbell. <laughs> you guys started out stabbing me in the back. I, I mean, really open arms there, guys. Honestly, when this did, it, when it was uh, pushed across the table to us earlier today, the th- my my instinct first of all was to uh, just declare vengeance upon Sully. But then I took a step back and I said, you know what? Sully's kind of a hired gun here, and he's doing a lot of work, and he's covering both shows right now. And uh, if he associates himself with yeah. whatever that other show is, that's fine. I don't. I think it's actually it makes a lot of sense. So Sully, despite the fact that um, on some level it leaves a bad taste in my mouth, I'm also I'm not going to go after you because I feel like 
I understand where you're coming from. I appreciate that. I'm letting you off the hook here, baby. Yeah, thanks, guys. I can't and speak it, for the other no, two Well, guys. plus you're joining the losing team. I think that's a key factor. Ooh. You might not help their cause <laughs> think he, in general. Jeremiah can't step on the basketball court without blowing some sort of injury. <laughs> I mean, Achilles will explode. I'm just saying. Ooh. We're good at parlor games. Parlor games? I, I got a minor in parlor games in college. I, I would like to see, yeah, I would, if, we ever, if this ever did happen, I would like to see what the events were because it should be stated that Jeremiah and Bucky both played college ball. Bucky actually played in the NFL. Uh, that was a long time ago, but they are obviously at some point in their lives were gifted athletically. Mm. They probably would be in a good position, and they would have to carry Sully a little bit unless you're playing parlor games. Right. Well, we get some racket sports in there. I'll take care of it. I don't it. know. Wes has got the parlor games. Yeah. I get, if we're, you if got w- Wiffle ball's involved. Yeah. I'm just, I'm going to, my slurve is going to take everybody out. For sure. You got me in softball. You got me. You got me in cornhole, but I'm I, I'm pretty confident in the rest of them. Okay. I well, like, it's a, Wes, go ahead. I like being underestimated. Yeah. Let's mm. see. We need that. Need that. Five. Underestimated. I was Dan Campbell out the gates. Who was underestimated? I don't here? mean by you. I mean by the two guys <laughs> hosting that other podcast. Okay. I do like that the Dan Campbell thing really stuck in Sully's craw. Yeah. It's come up a bunch of times. Wow. <laughs> I mean, he who's who's been more beloved as an interim coach than Dan Campbell. <laughs> Okay. You can look at it anyway. See poems were written about that guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. That was fun. Finally, let's uh, move on and talk about uh, the pain rankings. Yes, the old Zeuser. Um, burning the midnight oil, Wes. I love it. You know, just not not resting on his laurels all these years in. Channeling 2012, Zeuser. Yep, yeah. just digging in, digging my heels in and say, hey, I can get my hands dirty. And the thing I like about Dan, it's like, if he does a lot of extra work and you know, really, really gets after it, it's like you're not, you don't necessarily hear about no. it. He's not going to. Oh, wait, no. He's going <laughs> to tell you all about it. Never, never. You know, it's just I, the way I look at it is like do the work. Just do the work. <laughs> That's how I always look at things. So the pain rankings was a, a seven-part series back in 2015 uh, in which I broke down what I believed was the uh, rankings of the seven most pained franchises in the NFL. Two years later, I uh, thought during this quiet period before training camp, it'd be fun to uh, revisit the pain rankings and, and see uh, where we are now. And uh, I think let's dig in. There's going to be some big surprises here because there are – I first of all, one from seven, I'm, I'm bumping it to eight. There's just so much misery in the league with the Patriots doing what they're doing right now that I, now I have to make it a bigger group of eight. Mm. And I added two teams. I kicked out one. And uh, the team that, that almost I, seems that it's like increasing their pain, kicking, kicking on them some out level. The irony, yeah. yeah, the irony is not lost on me that they can't even get the glory in the pain rankings. But uh, the Kansas City Chiefs exit the pain rankings uh, at the time in 2015. They were on a, a long, long playoff drought, uh, which mm. they they snapped that drought with the 30 nothing win in Houston. Uh, and then they've been record-wise the best team in the NFL for a year and a half in the re- in the regular season. Uh, they got a playoff by last year. Now they didn't capitalize on that. But it, it, even the biggest pessimist uh, Chiefs fan will, would probably find it hard to say that things are not in a good place right now. I'm just with the other teams that have entered the fray here. I had to say goodbye to the Chiefs for now. Anyway, could always re-enter the pain rankings in 2018. All t- all-time playoff record nine and seventeen. It's not and good. I think if I'm a Chiefs fan, I would I would say we are coming off the pain rankings after two painful playoff defeats. Stop. Just saying. 
How I mean, is that worse than that was going tough, one in fifteen? If you're a Chiefs fan, that Steelers loss really stung. You know, they thought that was a really strong Chiefs team. Even the game in Foxborough, they were pretty competitive. They came into that game playing well. So I'm saying they were painful losses. Luxury pain. They're still in a good place though, right now. I just tell me if they should okay. be ahead of any of these other That's teams. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, coming in at eight is uh, Wes's former football paramour, the Cincinnati Bengals, who uh, uh, were six of seven last year. Uh, or last time I did this, and since that happened, uh, they've had more misery. And it, most last year was actually almost a a bit of a, um, a you know a breather for the fan base. Just a six nine and one season where things just didn't work out. Season before was a wreck. They started ten and two. Uh, they looked very very good. They were leading the the North, and uh, Andy Dalton breaks his thumb in Week 13 against the Steelers. And then who could forget, gentlemen? One of the all-time, I think, worst losses of this uh, century so far was the Saturday night loss West Cincinnati hosting Pittsburgh. Vontae's perfect. Jeremy Hill, uh, Antonio Brown getting concussed, uh, Joey Porter fighting on the field. Who could forget? I think that's one of the most crushing losses any of us have ever seen. But I have a philosophical disconnect with, with this whole thing. I think that you give extra points for luxury pain, for first-world football pain. Mm-hmm. Oh, you made it to the playoffs, but you didn't get what you wanted in the end. Only one of 32 teams gets what they wanted in the end. I don't think it's that big of a deal to be crushed in the playoffs. To me, the most painful thing is going through long stretches of time where you have no chance to do better than two or three wins in a season. Your team is wayward. It's lost. It's soul-draining. It's life-killing. And those are the teams that I feel are the most pained. Like, the Vikings would not be anywhere near my list. Hmm. Well, we get to huh. the Vikings at number seven here. I, I think that, Wes, you make a good point in the sense that uh, teams that at least uh, – fan bases that have a team that gets hot uh, every year or so, they build an organization that, that, that has 10-win seasons, 11-win seasons. But really, especially when you're a team that – that gets so close and blows games the way they do. Now, the Vikings are another example. You had Blair Walsh miss a 27-yard field goal uh, that would have knocked off the Seattle Seahawks. This was uh, uh, last season or two seasons ago. Um, and a- I mean, one of the worst field goal misses in NFL history. Uh, the following August, they are darlings of, of the summer. A lot of people are picking him as a sleeper Super Bowl pick. Teddy Bridgewater in a non-contact mm. drill plants his leg and the and the damn knee of his implodes basically and we don't even know if we're going to see him again. I mean the Vikings to me even though they've had a lot of success in terms of getting to the playoffs, the fact that they keep knocking on the door, still have no title wins, have some of the more crushing losses ever. It's been 40 years since they've been in a Super Bowl too. That should be, you know, there there are people our age that have not seen the the Vikings. Look at their Super all-time record, 457, 387 and 10. That's got to be in the top 8 teams ever. This this philosophical debate is reminding me of uh, the famous Sessler, Wesseling, Hansis pain ranking debates of 2014 through 2015, <laughs> which go down with Frost Nixon as some of the most classic debates in Lincoln history. Douglas. Lincoln Douglas. It really, yeah. And, you know, right down, even last year, after they traded for Sam Bradford, they start 5-0, and lose 8 of 10. Uh, even the birds. A nice stadium, but all those birds flying into the stadium glass and killing themselves. I mean, <laughs> it's a lot pa- of pain. There's it's a, a painful pain. world out there that that's what's happened to the Vikings in the last two years. Yet they actually, you know, they moved backwards on this list. Yeah. And painful well, world. Yeah. Well, there's there are two very interesting additions this year. We're not there yet. Though. Number six, I have 
the Detroit Lions, who I didn't really even know what to do with the Lions. The Lions obviously deserve to still have a spot. They were number five in 2015. I've dropped them to six here. Uh, what have they done in the two years since the pain rankings? Well, they made the playoffs last year, but we all know they were not a real playoff team. And they just, I don't know, they made the playoffs two of the past three years. But I, I wrote in the piece, does it actually feel like they've turned any type of corner? Mm. Or are they just still like the Lions just floating along, really never giving the team, the fans, anything to really get excited about? They're just the Lions. To me, this this one has justification for being number one. Mm. Who has been more pain than the Lions fan base? They've got 20 playoff games in almost a hundred years of existence, <laughs> that and their best two players of the last two decades basically retired because they couldn't deal with the pain of being a lion anymore. Megatron that, that, just said that hurts. It. That hurts. Megatron just said it, and people forget now because it happened twenty years ago. But Barry Sanders said the same exact thing that he decided at thirty-one and basically fifteen hundred yards shy, of being the all-time rushing leader, that he couldn't put himself through another season, knowing that the team around him just wasn't good enough so that they've actually scared away two of the great uh, generational talents They're in the NFL in the last 30 years just by being in the Lions to Wes's point if Payne is not even making the playoffs they have the fewest playoff appearances other than the Bengals and the fewest playoff wins other than the Bengals so uh, by your thought in terms of not even making it to the playoffs the Bengals and Lions would be the, the two worst well who think of it this way what is a more painful existence? To have loved and lost in the acute pain you feel after getting your heart broken or never to have loved at all and going your whole life being unloved. And that's what the Lions mm. are versus a team like the Falcons who has a devastating loss in the Super Bowl. There's acute pain there because it just happened. They'll get over it. It, it was their greatest season in history. We'll see. Number five, I have the Falcons not ranked uh, a couple years ago, but they could have been because the Falcons have their uh, – they have never – Never been to this, uh, won a Super Bowl. They've been to two now. Uh, but I just, you know, and maybe I make a, a bigger deal of it. Uh, but I, and being there in per person and seeing Ludacris crumble next to me, um, the worst loss, I think, in NFL history happened on uh, Sunday night in Houston uh, in February, uh, blowing the 28-3 lead. And I think, um, I don't think the team will ever, not just this group of players, but I don't think the Falcons will probably ever shake that loss. It basically, to me, defines the Atlanta Falcons now uh, to the entire country. And I thought it's also been interesting this season or this offseason seeing how, how many people, both uh, you know, rivals of the team and just the everyman, the other the guy on Twitter, have, have taken delight in going after the Falcons and, and, and having fun at their expense. Uh, all across the country. I just think the fact that they've never won a Super Bowl and then they lost the one in the most devastating uh, fashion imaginable, um, that's why they're, they're in the top five for me. Mm. I mean, it's heartbreaking, but also thank you. You gave me life. When I look back in 20 years, if I'm a Falcons fan, that's the team I'm going to remember for giving me life for a year. Whew. I think and, you're totally th underestimating how crushing that loss had to be for their fans. And I think part of it, and this isn't really part of the pain rankings, but I think for the Atlanta sports fan, it's certainly Falcons fans are Hawks fans and they're Braves fans. And just the lack of success all, all of those teams have had for now a, a relatively long time since the Braves were decent is part of the mix. I just rewatched that game because I'm doing a, a making the leap on the Falcons defense. Hello. And I watched that game. And, I the most you know who should be number one on the pain rankings is Dan Quinn for going back and watching that ten twelve times. 
That's masochistic. It seems like he should he's see a, a therapist about he's that. He's insane by doing that because I was, as even as a Patriots fan, just watching the unbelievable amount of luck and bad, you know, just any number of things that could have happened and it just would have turned around and it didn't. Uh, number four on the list, I have the Buffalo Bills who um, have not been to the playoffs since uh, the 1999 season, which perhaps not coincidentally has coincided with Tom Brady's entire playing career. Uh, but um, I, I highlighted in in the write-up, which you can see at NFL.com slash pain rankings or NFL.com slash end around. I highlighted uh, Luke Russert, who's an NBC News correspondent, Bill's super fan, uh, his father. Hey, Luke. <laughs> That's what the guys say. That's what the, yeah, his boys say. Hey, Luke. His his father, uh, Tim Russert, was obviously a very famous Bills fan, passed away a few years back. But uh, I just want to highlight this quote that when I interviewed him in 2005, right after they hired Rex, and it kind of sums up what sucks about being a Bills fan is that uh, they, they get sucked into different – narratives about how things are going to change and then nothing works out. Uh, here's what Russert said. Bill che- Belichick is the master. However, the Jets beat Belichick before in the playoffs. If Ryan could pull that off one time, he'll be God. In all honesty, if he gets to the playoffs, they will erect a statue at this point. doesn't even matter if he never goes for the rest of his career in Buffalo. If he gets to the playoffs this year, they will erect a statue. They already hit their season ticket record. It's not even August and they did that. Oof. It's going to be mayhem, at least in those first few games. And you know what? It was. And Bills fans were never more excited than that early Bills tenure. And look, they're right back where they started with Rex nowhere to be seen. It does feel like if you are a millennial, if you're, say, 30 years old or younger, this has to be one of the most pained fan bases out there. Yeah, I mean, they won four. They won four conference titles in a row. Lost four Super Bowls in a row, and that that streak ended what ninety four. And ever since then, what's what are the Bills? What does an entire generation of Bills fans have to hang? Their I mean, hat there's on? a lot of great fan bases on this list, but they they are right there at the top. I mean, just keeping that franchise in Buffalo, right? So many they threats deserve, to move. They out. deserve it. I mean, all these fan bases deserve it truly, but they really deserve a little sunshine. Uh, number three on the list, I have my New York Jets, um, and you know you the to love and lost or never have loved loved at all. I think as a Jets fan, you've kind of you experienced both ends of the spectrum. I believe that their ability to uh, to hand out pain to their fans, they can they can take you through a co tight type era where they're hopeless or where they are right now. They could get your hopes up and suck you in and completely destroy you, as they've done many times, most re- recently in 2015 uh, in that season finale in Buffalo. Um, the Jets just never get over the hump, and, and it's not easy also sharing a city with the Giants um, who are... <laughs> There's a butt fumble behind me. The, uh, yeah, the butt fumble, you have uh, the Fitzmagic... Fitzmagic running out last year, and now the Jets just not even trying this year. And you just know as a Jets fan, you, you really have had nothing to really celebrate. As someone, a 37-year-old Jets fan, I've never uh, even seen the Jets in a Super Bowl. And you know it's still far away. It's just a very frustrating, sad, annoying fan experience as a Jets fan. Ugh. You got your owner leaving to be an ambassador. Come on. Same thing happened to Steelers a few years ago. Yeah, but I trusted – I don't know. I trusted the Rooney family. Feels taking, different for taking, some reason. Taking over better than I do Woody Johnson's brother. He's like, oh, yeah, my brother's got to do it. Who? What? Uh, I didn't even know he had a brother. And all of a sudden, I was like, yeah, he'll be running the Jets now. Uh, so there you go. The Jets uh, continue uh, to mortify my soul. 
and um, my father's as well. Number two. Mm. Number two. And this one, you know, this is why I wish Mark was here. Because number two on this list is the Cleveland Browns dropping out of the number one spot. And uh, it's not anything really the Browns did. In fact, you could you could say maybe it is. Like, this is an, this is an offseason of optimism uh, where they a lot of people gave uh, Sashi Brown and uh, Hugh Jackson a lot of credit. And, Sashi! And they got the three first-round picks, and they addressed some big needs um, in free agency coming off that one and 15 last year. But at the same time, we've been down this road before. So before I move the, the Browns anywhere close to out of the pain ranks, we actually have to see them do something. So they, <laughs> they did win one game last year, one game, a lot last of pain. Year. they, uh, they still are in a lot of ways. If there wasn't something crazy going on with the number one team to me, the team that with the most pain, your thoughts was, I mean, I, I would keep them at number one. And I think, we just saw the video of fans with paper bags on their heads. I don't remember ever seeing a Chargers crowd with paper bags on their heads. Cleveland has you been paper bagged since they've been back in 99. You talk about a team with a great history that has never come close to revisiting that history. They were in. They still have an all-time winning record. So they nice. do because they were so great when our grandparents were in the prime of their lives. Right. I mean, they were so great in the 50s and the late 40s. And if you think about where Cleveland is, where's the Hall of Fame? Just a short drive from Cleveland. This is the cradle of football. And for them to be so bad in the cradle of football, to me, carries extra weight. And, they, you know, the Bills, we hear it all the time. They haven't been to the playoffs um, since the 99 season. The, the, the Browns, everyone forgets they made it once, and I believe the 2 season, but they haven't uh, really. And lost the, pain, lost the painful game. Yeah, uh, to the Bruce Steelers. Arians and, and Kelly Holcomb, an underrated chapter in the Bruce Arians book on Kelly Holcomb. Uh, that last season, as we witnessed with our, you know, friend Mark, uh, was a pretty tough. Ex- was that was an underrated, <laughs> painful <laughs> experience because it a- did some bad things to Mark. Yeah, after and, and I'm <laughs> it sure, broke Mark for a while. I'm <laughs> sure a lot of Browns fans too. The weight of possibly going 0 and 16, it just kept building and building. You saw it on Hugh Jackson. I mean, Hugh Jackson was kind of a mess by the end of that season too. So just carrying that for about a you know four to six weeks when it really looked like it was going to happen, that was tough. And uh, can we get a little timpani uh, for this one, Sully, for the number one team on the Pan- West kind of, you know, I was trying to do a reveal. Oh. Said the name. But uh, listen. I could mess up a junkyard. <laughs> I know you didn't mean it on purpose. So, I know. Yeah. Things happen. Love you, buddy. The number one team on the pain rankings. The Chargers. And I'll tell you why. I had uh, something of an epiphany late last. Did I tell you I was burning the midnight oil last night when I was working on this? Yeah. You mentioned that's, that. That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> it was very late. Mid-July, yeah. Very late. Yeah. What a time of year to be burning the midnight oil. Just, you know, just do the work. Just do the work. And uh, and I was trying to figure out where to put the Chargers. I couldn't find the right spot. And then I thought I, t- I, t- I took a bigger, like a more macro viewpoint. What am I doing here? It's about fan pain. And what could be more painful than a team quitting on a city? Mm. And the and the, the Browns know about that. Uh, but at least they got their team back. The Chargers are – the city of San Diego is not getting their, their team back. No. So for a team that already – Never got a Super Bowl. Um, they were in. They never won a Super Bowl. The one that they appeared in, they were basically a joke. Uh, uh, 
just a jobber in a, in a professional wrestling match uh, for Steve Young to trounce. Uh, they, they've they had soul-crushing playoff losses. I mean, the Jets beat them in San Diego twice, for Christ's sake. Uh, dra- draft day, bumbles, terrible trades. They traded Drew Brees. What was their haul that they got back for Drew Brees? Left in free agency, got nothing. They got nothing, sorry. Uh, Off-the-field tragedy, Junior Seau's uh, suicide, which was obviously just a terrible thing for the most famous player in franchise history, arguably. And then the long, not just that they left, the, the way it was drawn out uh, over uh, more than a year to the point where they played last season knowing – they already said goodbye to the team the, the previous year. Right. Uh, remember Eric Weddle memorably you know, kissing the 50-yard line and – and all that, and then they went back anyway because ownership was still trying to, you know, do whatever ownership was doing to to get the best situation. And then they just left, and now San Diego has nothing. They they have been left with they they dealt with a team that they suffered with for 50 years that never t- brought them home to the pa- promised land, and now there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Every other team that we talked about here still has a chance. Even the Browns, even the Jets. Uh, even even the Bengals. But it's really the San Diego yeah, Chargers. This are is number about one. the San Diego Chargers. There is no tomorrow for the San Diego Chargers. So I had to put them at number one. To bolster your point, no team has ever spent 57 years or more in a city, or 56, however long they were in San Diego, in the NFL, and then moved. I mean, this is the longest the team's ever been in a city and then moved. So, but I I think. What do you think about the argument that say okay? San Diego, it's going to be 78 degrees and sunny every day for these fans. Yeah. What about Cleveland where they had their city taken away with a much richer – they had their team taken away with a much richer history, much richer football area of the country, and they are left with snow and gray skies for most of the year. And not only was their team taken away, but we're going to compound your pain by making you the most dysfunctional franchise in the league for the next two (laughs) decades when you do get your team back. I think that's certainly a fair point, and if if people feel strongly that the Browns should be number one in an exercise like this, I, I can't say that makes no sense. But I, I guess it was more the thing. I think the thing about the weather being good in San Diego is a little bit overblown. Like we've been living in LA for a long time, you kind of take it for granted after a while, and it's not <laughs> something like it makes my life better or I, I have it better than other people. Just because I just don't even think about it anymore. In some ways, it's a little more like. You know, I could I could understand why you would be like if you were somebody that dealt with depression, if you were dealing with stuff and it was just beautiful and sunny every day. I feel like it doesn't really it doesn't make it easier on you that your team is gone. I think what that point, I think there's some truth to it, Wes. And I think it maybe reduces the amount like if you're talking about the the level of support, obviously the Browns have a different level of support and a more broad fan base than the Chargers do. I think for the true diehard Chargers, and I went to their final game in San Diego, and you're kind of right that they they even were robbed from the real experience of saying goodbye because by the second time around, they were just exhausted. They were like, we did, we did this a year right. ago. A lot of the same people that went to the, you know, the time before didn't go to this. And those people that were there, they were heartbroken. They had, they told me stories that they had been going for 50 years or their family had been going there. They were the season ticket. They were not going to follow the team to LA. And that was a good thing. A good point. Adam rank, uh, our colleague made in the newsroom. Imagine if your favorite team 
goes to your rival city, the city that you hate. Now, there's some there's some gray area here. There's Orange County where the Chargers are actually based right now. It's like those fans maybe kind of go. But I'm talking real San Diego people. They hate L.A. They hate the L.A. sports teams, and that's where the Chargers went to go. So I think that that makes it even worse for those fans. The San Diego pay- fans fe- feel pain now, and it's just going to stay that way until you know they just get used to this world without football. I think the Chargers will eventually feel too. They just might not realize it yet. Like, where, is the, where are the fans going to come from here? Or do we really think that the Chargers are going to – Oh, the team, you mean, is going to feel – Yeah, do yeah, you think I the Chargers know. are going to develop a huge fan base in Los Angeles? I think no. if they won and they were good, they would be enough just because the NFL is popular enough. Yeah. Like, if they were good, if they're going to the playoffs, people are going to be into a little NFL playoff football this year. Sure, why not? I I would say that seasonal affective disorder, SAD, is a real phenomenon. And when you live your life, most of it, under leaden skies, you need diversions like sports more often in your life mm-hmm. than you do when you live in sunshine and beautiful weather. Yeah. But the Browns did get it back. They got back worse than what they had, <laughs> worse than what yeah. anybody's had. And, and some of the fans thought, like, we're just another podunk town. That, that was a quote. I don't think that's true because San Diego is a great city. People love San Diego. Going on. It's a lot of people's Pe- favorite city. Right. People people love it. But just losing an NFL team, if you're if football's really in your blood, it does take something away. It's like, oh, I'll go kite surfing today instead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Around the NFL podcast presented by New Era uh, has come to a close. We'll be back on Thursday uh, with another show, an audio-only show, um, hopefully we'll have uh, – well, actually, Greg, you will not be with us. Next I'm not, I do not Thursday. plan to be here. I'm taking a, a long weekend. Are you going to be uh, with the Shield, though? Ahead of – I will be playing softball on Thursday night, yes. Good. I like your priorities in the right spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm not missing a game. Last game of the regular season. People need to know, by the Playoffs. way, the Shield is now on a, um, a three-game winning streak, and a win in Thursday's regular season finale clinches the division title and a bye straight into the finals as we look to go back-to-back, and, and we're doing it all for Chris Wessling. You know? <laughs> I hope to be Should back. we do the patch? Should we get, like, the W patch at this point? I, I think that's it's, unnecessary. Okay. I, I just it's still feel, with us, you know. No, it's like, you know, it's like when, you know, Dow Strawberry, uh, you know, got cancer, the Yankees put, like, his number mm. on their hats and stuff. Mm. Do you want us to, like, go down that route for you at all? I want to play. I know. We want you in. That's why we haven't play moved ball. you to – we have not moved you to the DL, IR. You're on the active roster. I'm on the boomerang? Yeah, you're on the boomerang. <laughs> IR boomerang. <laughs> you just – you just – let's – Skip no, you know, every Thursday. I, I'm starting to feel better. I'm getting aggressive with my medication this week. I need to get it back out on a softball field. we got a championship to defend. And we're close to doing it. All right. That's it. Check the show out Tuesday night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, NFL.com, ATN Video. Dan Hansis signing off for the boss, the mailman, and Sully behind the glass. Till Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.